So genuinely, I do think the most important thing that we need to remember about this movie going in is that oceans are now battlefields. You guys got that? So like, name an ocean and I'll tell you whether or not it's a battlefield. Eight. Battlefield. Eleven. Battlefield. <laughs> the ocean. The metal band. Absolutely a battlefield, 100%. Okay. Ocean Vuong, the poet, battlefield. <laughs> Seas, practice fields. Wow. Seas are where you do your war games. Yes, seas are like training fields. What about lakes? Lakes? Lakes is where you play tag. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say lakes is like, like a war college. Hmm. Or a military college. I don't know. I said war college. That's not a thing. It, it, it's a thing in a some like sci-fi and stuff. What's a river? River? Well, that's a battle. A river's whatever you want it to be, baby. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. River can river can do whatever it wants. You can vote on a river. I will say that was a very interesting first word to put at the top of a movie. What? Just the oceans are now oceans battlefields. <laughs> to be fair, they set the stage. They were like 1806. I want to say Napoleon Bonaparte is on the throne yeah, of France. None of that matters. The part that mattered was oceans are battlefields. Are battlefields. Well, it was relevant because they did run into the French ship. Yes. Sure. Well, that's the other thing I want to talk about. They said oceans are battlefields, and then they only saw one other ship the entire time. They did see the remains of another ship. To be fair. Mm, okay. It's not really a battlefield, though. That mm. implies that there will be lots of lots of different battles. This was more like a... Maybe maybe it's more that all the oceans are battlefields. This one is on its way to there. Hmm, okay. They were in kind of a weird, meaningless area for the time, also. What? I don't know about meaningless, just like in Ooh. the... Uh-oh! <laughs> As the South uh, uh, American at this table. No, I'm saying to like the the Napoleonic. You will never, (laughs) never make my people irrelevant. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch every movie in our library from A to Z. And this week, we watched... Master and Commander. The Far Side of the World. Which is not the movie I said we were going to watch at the end of our last episode. Because it wasn't? No, it's not. What did you say? I said You mid- lied to our listeners? I, I made a mistake to our listeners. This is mm. the first time this has happened. It wasn't shelved in our library properly... Because no. we'd watched it recently, <laughs> uh. to be fair. So this is what comes after The Martian. So next week would be A Midsummer Night's Dream. This is also the most antique uh, DVD <laughs> that we have. It, it actually is. It's, it's to be fair. Straight from my 2003 a, a lot, collection. A lot of the movies we watch, we don't like actually watch the blu-rays or dvds little podcast secret here because we're able to just stream the digital copy or it's already on streaming somewhere else this is one that this was not the case for and i think i think it's probably like 
in the running with like Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve for being the old, definitely like yeah, the oldest main. And because it's own. such a special, special movie, we have a special guest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you heard him in the cold open, and you heard his drums in the opening theme. It's true. Those are both me. Those are both him. It's Chris. Yeah, I was gonna say my name, but I guess you did now. So <laughs> I guess that job's done. Tell us about yourself. What's your biggest fear? <laughs> wow. How do you think you're gonna die? Oh, God. Wow. Is your biggest fear drowning? No. Because good. Then I'm glad because we made you watch this movie. If we're talking about fears of ways of dying. It's probably falling off a building. Mm. Mine, mine is specific. Mine is actually drowning related. It's drowning in a car that's gone off a bridge. Hmm. That just sounds like you're not very well prepared <laughs> to get out of said car. You have to have contingencies. Uh, contingencies. What? What? Define your contingencies. You need a glass breaker. Mm-hmm. You always have that in your glove box. I do. Do you have a glass breaker? No. Exactly. <laughs> I do. I am always prepared. Y- yeah, but Bethany doesn't. Hold on, I'll just Amazon order us two of those. <laughs> That's why I always have one, and also I always, I only want to own cars with more than five windows. More than five windows. Because th- it's just easier. The van is way easier to break the windows because they're bigger. Ah, oh. thinner. Well, no, it's just the force is distributed more. So wait, you're saying it's harder to break a smaller part of glass? That's my understanding from all the times that I've watched forensic files about people getting drowned in cars. (laughs) None of this has anything to do with this podcast. (laughs) If I was going to do a podcast like this, it would be me reviewing every episode of forensic files. (laughs) Okay, so we watched this. Chris has never seen it before. No, I thought I had, but then I realized that this is the movie I always think is the Patriot for like ten minutes, and then I see, oh wait, it's Russell Crowe, and then and then I stop watching it. Not really. Not that part this was time. It, I would see like clips of it. Yeah, or I would, or it I would, would see be like on TV, TV real quick. Yeah. yeah, and I would think it's the Patriot, and then it wouldn't be, and then I would be like midway through it, and I'd say, well, I'm not gonna try and watch this now. Yeah, but now you have context, and now you know that it's one of me and Bethany's like absolute favorite movies for sure like i think this is like a movie that you listed as one of your favorite movies like when we were first starting dating oh yeah no no no. i've been watching it interesting i got deep into this when i in like early high school is when i got into this movie because i think my parents like impulse bought it because it was cheap at a um funnily Mm -hmm. do you remember movie stops remember there was gamestop but there was also movie stop for a little while no Am I making this up? I think you are. I've heard I of be- a- I bet it just depended on where you were, because for me, we had a blockbuster and a family video, so I don't know why we would have something else. Well, you see, we this was like after the heyday, like at the end of the heyday of blockbuster, and uh, I think it, w- but it only lasted for a little while. It was basically just a used DVD shop. No, because yeah. at that point, we had Redbox. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, or you ordered your DVDs on Netflix so you could watch them at home and then send them back. Well, yeah, but they wanted to own this one, I guess. Hmm. I don't I don't know how this DVD ended up in my parents' collection. I'm just happy that it did. My parents don't watch movies, so Yeah. I never really had this problem. That's rough. And when you do watch movie when they let you watch movies, they don't let you watch the Santa Claus. No, they did not. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last movie I've watched with them was probably a wonderful life, honestly. If I had to guess, it's, <laughs> probably that. it's some Christmassy movie like Sounds that. Probably. Something you really that was on really like TV. Jimmy Stewart. 
They do like that movie. I mean, Jimmy Stewart, he's a charismatic guy, you know? I think my parents' favorite movies are that, uh, Wizard of Oz, and uh, the the Ten Commandments movie, the famous one. Well, yeah, Charlton Heston. What is it great. actually called? The Ten Commandments. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. Can't, I can't yeah. remember if that was actually called. Charlton Heston, Yul Brynner, like, yeah, they like God, that movie that's a, a great movie. It is a great fucking movie, like. I haven't seen it in a long time, but they do love that movie. Yo, we should we should rewatch it for no. like. Okay, so we should rewatch. Easter's coming up. Right, it so is the season. About, let's talk about for those of you who haven't seen that string commander. It's the movie that started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, actually, um, it's actually a flashback to well, it's when Vision goes through time. Yes, becomes a, a doctor on a ship. <laughs> And then no one else has anything to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Are we sure about that? Mm. Are we sure that no one else in that movie has ever appeared? In the... Yeah, I think yeah, pretty no. sure. In a prominent way that matters? I no, don't think so. definitely not. Though I would love a Russell Crowe feature. Russell Crowe would be fun. That would be very Yeah, but I just don't... I feel like he went all in on the Dark Universe and when that didn't work out... Yeah. He was... He what? Was, the who? Oh, he was Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde in the dark in the dark universe oh. in the one movie that was set in the dark universe, which is mm. the Tom Cruise Mummy. Sorry, what? The Tom Cruise Mummy. Mm-hmm. It had Sofia Boutella in it from uh, Kingsman. Was that also the Mummy that had the scuffed, uh, the scuffed trailer? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a fun trailer. <laughs> I know nothing else about the movie except the scuffed trailer that was awesome. <laughs> it's. It's, it's, okay. Let's talk about Russell Crowe, because I think he's coming off of, this is after Gladiator. Wait, for sure. really? It is? Oh, absolutely. Gladiator's 2001? Yeah, Gladiator's yeah. 2001. Because the Gladiator came out the same year the Patriots won a Super Why do I know that? Gla- Gladiator's 2000, actually, but it, I think it probably would have won. It would have been the year of the 2001 Super Bowl. Exactly. <laughs> I hate that I tied things to that. But yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good movie. Yeah, Gladiator's a great movie. I think I like him better in this than I do in Gladiator. If um, I'm, yeah. This is this is my favorite Russell Crowe role by a lot. I can't remember what else he's been in that I've seen except yeah. that journalist movie. Russell Crowe is one of those people that disappears into a role. And not like I'm not I don't mean that like that Ex- he's necessarily the greatest actor of all time. But except- I just don't think of it being Russell Crowe. Except for Les Mis, where he is most o- the most obvious Russell Crowe that he's ever been. I've never seen Les Mis, so I'll take your word for it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Anne Hathaway in it, though? Yeah. Watch Briefly. Him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She's, she's I'll fan- find her scenes on YouTube. She's Fantine, so she dies in the first act. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a movie set on an English sailing vessel, the His Majesty's Ship Surprise, an aged man of war as as paul bettany's character puts it it during the napoleonic wars yeah it, off the coast of south america um it follows well i think there's like one scene with a woman in it in this movie to be fair but also it is a period Some natives <laughs> yes well they're not natives they're, they're like portuguese colonists and yeah. mestizos yeah it's like a mix but well the women oh i guess there are a few yeah. different Exactly. Women's <laughs> in one scene, in, in, and usually I would be so upset about that, but my love for this movie and the situation, yeah, like, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a British navy sh- navy. A lot of you know, it just makes around. sense, yes. time wise. 
Oh, it cast with a bunch of people who were like only in this and nothing else because they needed to find people who looked. Well, I think I the way right I put it the part. the way I put it when we were watching it is yeah. this is one of those movies that's perfect for those type actors that only get called when they need someone that looks fine with mutton chops, <laughs> and they get no other parts. They've been in this, and they could have been in Emma and like any other Regency era film. Maybe and that's some, it. Uh, maybe some episodes of Horatio Hornblower or something like that. <laughs> they could have been in the favorite. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a. I don't have another British name. Bridgerton. Oh God! <laughs> no, not, no, no one was pretty enough to be in Bridgerton. That's fair. Yeah. Only, well, only like there were some ugly people in Bridgerton. Not many though. Yeah, enough. Not many. But that's like background, background. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Um, what's cool about this is it really shows like every aspect of the ship. I feel like. From the bow to, to the, the other side. Stern. Yep. Didn't show the brig. No, well, we okay, okay, but we saw like all the functioning parts of the ship. You had like the, sure. the sailing master, the carpenter, the marines, like the cook. The cook was actually a pretty prominent yeah. like, character, which I yeah. thought I, I like Killick a lot. And they had a lot of children. Yes. Which was cabin boys. Depressing a little bit. Yeah, but it's also how those ships were. Children in peril. It's like it's only depressing if they die or get hurt. Otherwise, they're probably having the time of their lives. Yeah, good thing the movie doesn't <laughs> open with a battle that results in a teenage boy having to have his pre, arguably probably a preteen boy. How yeah. old was that kid? Eleven? Yeah, t- maybe twelve. Probably twelve. Yeah, I think he was twelve and had his arm amputated. I mean, that still it happens. happens. It happens. <laughs> still happens. No, see now he. The, the good thing is the doctor took him under his wing and he gets to be a naturalist now. A fighting naturalist. He gets to be a naturalist now. <laughs> it's it's interesting though because it's... I feel like this came out at the right time for the kind of movie it was. It's so hard like, for me to place that. Because I, I didn't see a lot of movies in theaters at this time period for obvious reasons. Well... But. Military movies like this coming around out around the time that they did, there's an argument that's been made that the uh, popularity of Saving Private Ryan primed American opinion in favor of the War on Terror. Even though, like, it, it was made and came out before the War on Terror happened, but because, we, because you know, what was widely regarded as the best picture in America, except at the Oscars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where Shakespeare and Love won. Uh, oh... <laughs> A great movie, but it won because of a ca- it won because of a campaign by yeah. he who must not be named. Uh, all right, this comes out in two thousand three, so like right before the invasion of Iraq, basically. <laughs> this comes or interesting timing or, or, around the invasion of Iraq and like after the invasion of Af- Afghanistan, and it's all about even though we're far from home, we have to defend our home. Yeah, and it's woof. What do you think about the messaging there? And other other interesting things in the in the books that this was originally based on. Now this is like sort of an amalgam of several of the books in that series because I read the first book, which isn't what this movie is directly based on, but a lot of the plot points from that book are taken and harvested. But the specific incident with the surprise chasing a ship into the Pacific is actually originally set during the War of eighteen twelve. So it's actually the British Navy chasing an American ship. Oh. This See, was... that, that wouldn't have flied. Mm-hmm. Flown? Flown. Flown. That wouldn't have flown. Yeah, so this is the British Navy chasing 
a French ship. Hey, who didn't help us out? Who did we rename fries in the capital mess halls to like just to insult them? The French. Yes. Yeah. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, we remember that. You don't have freedom to play fries. it up. God, so. I'm just saying. I I I maybe some messaging going on with this movie. They picked some very French actors. Oh, they absolutely some very <laughs> French looking people. <laughs> To the point where I was like, this feels a little a little too much. They were in the they well no, super dark hair, like curly hair. Oh god, oh Pencil no. mustaches. Actually. Hmm. Arguably a lot of the French people could be coded as Middle Italian. Eastern. Italian. Or Mediterranean. <laughs> Maybe. They could be coded pretty much. I guess. I don't I'm just think saying, they, they you're were, looking the, too into it, though. No. A little too much. Uh, okay. A little too much. Listen, okay. let me be the cultural studies it's guy fine. for a minute. Oh, no. I love this fucking movie. It's one of my favorites. Maybe it was propaganda. We got a lot more to cover. To be fair, a lot of propaganda have. on our shelf over there. Just look at the Marvel section. Is it propaganda? I mean, yes, it's just Iron a... Man. Think about it. No, not those. I'm talking about this movie. <laughs> this this movie no, may be propaganda. Not really. Could be interpreted it... as such, but okay. probably was not. But we got that out of the way. I had to get that out of the way okay, before I could okay. talk about what the core of this movie is, which is... Love. The oceans. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You, the, go, the, yes. the oceans are now battlefields. That's the core. And they're also a honeymoon. <laughs> oh, no. Not this. <laughs> They're two husbands. Yes. The they call them the Aubrey Matterin novels for a reason. Captain Jack Aubrey, Doc, Dr. Stephen Matterin. Like that they are the two main characters in here, played with a plum by Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. Maybe it's just two dudes being guys on the high seas together. <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Two broadsides to their one. <laughs> They're they love each other so much in a way that is am- that is ambiguously re- romantic and, plat- and platonic at the same time. There are just moments where they feel very married, you know? It's just very Regency bromance. Oh, absolutely. Which is always ambiguous on purpose. Exactly. It, it 100% is. But I mean, from the moment... I, I just, like, because you go in... At the start, it's... I really like the opening scene where it's night during the change of the watch and you see them crawling up and de- climbing up and de- out of the hammocks and, like, up the rigging and everything like that, all with the sound of the bell in the background. And not a word of dialogue in that, which is what's great to me. Like, you see the ship as a character. You don't see anyone's individual faces. And you don't start getting introduced to characters until the next day when they beat the quarters. You know? And everyone is, like introduced in a way that makes it very clear what they're about i think the only thing i disagree with with that is versus some other movies that have stuff like this i didn't i never felt like the ship was a character in this movie it was more like a v well ironically a vehicle. <laughs> i don't in a set piece more than like a, a character there there are places where like the the thing you're in is a character like the falcon yeah like the falcon is yeah, definitely a character absolutely I just didn't feel it as... Or, like, you know... Uh, well, you see, I think the 2001 thing, Space Odyssey, the whole thing is kind of a character, in my opinion. But I also do feel like the way they use the, sh- the ship is a, 
I, I don't think the ship is a character. I agree. They talk about the surprise, the old girl, but they're always like working on it and changing it. It's, it is doing some like kind of ship enthusiast stuff. And I'm saying... Which is ironic because sh- Paul Bettany's... <laughs> <laughs> but the ship is the people in a way. The sh- no, no, it's, no, it's a mascot. The ship is their home and that's why it's also England. Yes, the ship is their home and that's why this ship is England. <laughs> but I, but it's a jumping off... They make the point that like... Uh, there's there's one of, one of the officers does say to uh, Calamy at one point, the midshipman, like, there's... They say there's more of his blood in here than... Uh, than paint or something like that about Jack Aubrey. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the idea. So it's like, in a way, Jack is the ship. It's a living vessel, but it's not. It's, it's but it's, it's living own. because of the people right. who make it's it true, work. Yeah. Yeah. So like, they, they, they talk about her like a person, but at the same time, she's a person because they give that power to her. And I think that, and I really like that. You know, I, I like that like, this ship would be nothing without its crew. And the crew would be nothing without its captain. And the captain himself would be nothing. Without his crew. Yes. It's... And the ship. And his husband. <laughs> Steven. Well, the point is that Steven doesn't quite fit in. Right? I love that. Which is what makes it work so well. He's not a military guy. Right. In the in the books, in the first book, they run in... What actually happens is that Steven gets annoyed at Jack at a concert that they're both at in Trafalgar. Because Jack can't stop tapping his feet along to the music during the concert. And it's distracting him. Oh, man. Oh, yes. We didn't talk about this yet. This this scene that seemed out of nowhere upon first viewing. Well, I'll tell you. As someone who went to more classical than regular concerts as a kid, I would have absolutely lost if someone started tapping their foot at, like, a concert. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Steven, played by B- Bettany, Dr. Ma- the doctor, plays the cello. Aubrey, the captain, plays the violin. Perfection. It's wonderful. They're playing Baroque du- duets all the time. It's it's lovely. It's absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. And that is part of why they're married. Um, <laughs> it, but he's very much... In, we are kind of Stephen, in a way. Because we have this outsider's perspective. So as he's witnessing... What he sees is like arcane or archaic military rules in play. We are kind of ex- g- feeling that as well. Yeah, you have to pick the lesser of two weevils. Yes. Uh. The puns. <laughs> G- give us your thoughts on the puns in this movie, Chris. Uh, they're all fine except that one. <laughs> That's the best one! What are you talking about? Uh, the, the setup is too obvious. That's the problem. <laughs> But it, That's what makes that scene work. You know, when they're not in battle, it's such like a still life. Like, you feel like you're really like it's, on this ship. It's during, almost pastoral. Like, yeah. yeah. Hmm. The the dinner scenes especially. Oh, I man. I, I like the part where you actually saw how in the world they make the room. Yeah, <laughs> where they put up the panels and take them down. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite things in the whole movie, actually. Well, it, it in a way, it kind of reflects the cinematic process right mm-hmm. like like yeah because it is a it is a facade that they put up so that they can have some veneer of civilization while they're so far from home and but in a way it's like it's scenery yeah well it's funny because i'm looking at the outside ship i'm like where does the dining room go? yeah that's the same problem i had and I then you, where they you were. figure out that it's like just... it's just the captain's quarters yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i think that they do a good job of turning that on its head 
in those final scenes when he's in the Asheron and going into the captain's cabin and like turning over all the stuff. And then that space that's supposed to be safe, civilized is intruded upon when the guy tries to stab him in the gut. I think there's a lot that they do to like flip it around and be like, look, you think you're civilized, but you're not. You're just, you're just as bad as like the Asheron. You're just as bad as the guys in the privateer. You're, you're resorting to the same trickery. You're doing it. All this stuff. Well, because at first they were being chased by the Atron, right? Yes. And then they flip it, flip it around, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go back for." Well, them. Their, their mission was to find the Asheron and not to, yeah, yeah. The, and the Asheron's just a privateer, which is basically go fuck shit up. Yeah, yeah. Not a military. Well, they well, are, but they aren't. They are, yeah, they they're are, yeah. they're like Blackwater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like mercenaries, essentially. Yeah, they're pirates with a piece of paper that says what they're doing is legit. But are they actually privateers in this? They're privateers. Oh, okay. The Asheron's a privateer. I wasn't sure exactly. Yeah, no. The surprise is British Navy. Asheron is French privateer. Ex- am I- God, this is the problem. They all call it the Acheron the entire time. And I'm just like, all French. <laughs> I-, I took French in college and high school. Is the Asheron. <laughs> English weather. <well-er. laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the only thing I thought... I thought it was a little long. I liked it. I just I thought it was a little long. It had a little a little bit of fat to it. There was some bloat. I think I think they really wanted to include like all the Hollem Jonah stuff to like demonstrate the superstition of sailors at sea, but it felt Yeah. It in some ways did feel a little out of place sometimes and like they spent a little too much time with it. Now I thought the the plot line was heartbreaking. Absolutely. But it did feel like it's what it felt TV ish, you know. It, it felt like yeah a B or C plot. There's a lot of plots going on because there's that one guy that everyone hates. Hold up, yeah, yeah. But then there's also the two boys that like are best friends. Um, Blakeney and Calamy. Yeah, and the ones thinks his fate is going to be. Death gets switched around on them. Yes. But then there's also the two husbands, and then there's also the the whole, like, friendship thing. There's just, like, so much going... And they go to the Galapagos, like... Yeah. That, that would arguably be unnecessary, but it's very necessary. Yeah. It's... Because I think... Sure, that it is a chase movie in one way. But in another way, it's very much a character Family vacation. Study. Yes. No. It's like it's a, it's it's them giving the characters this room to breathe, and they have this overarching motivation. But because they're in this enclosed space, I was gonna say like anytime you have a like, movie like that, it has to be a character study. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't have enough set piece. You have no other choice. There are only really two major set pieces in this movie. Like, they, I I feel like you could argue that when they uh, put out the decoy, there's like some tension and peril there for sure. But there's only two battles. But the battle scenes are very visceral when they do happen, you know? There's there's the point where they're coming up on them and like there there are cannons yeah, fired more right. times. Like there are only two actual naval battles. The cannon practice is one of the most impressive scenes because of the camera work that they do there. When they when they okay, after their first the encounter first... with the Asheron, yes. they're like, Oh, we gotta get better with our cannons or else they're gonna get here too fast. Oh, you mean the, to... the the edits? Like... The cannon practice. Yeah, absolutely. I really did like that one. 
I mean, it felt like you were in the hole with them, like, maybe possibly even one of the cannons that's, like, firing. It was just, like, so mm-hmm. back and forth. And I also thought the sound, is they did really well with the sound design on, on here, too. Like, a lot of the sound editing and mixing mm-hmm. felt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that Oscar category. I think one thing I liked a lot about it was that there were a lot of things that happened in it that I never thought about with ships. Yeah. Like that, like it was. I I thought one thing was really interesting is in like the second battle, where like they board the other ship and like one of the things they focus on the most is like getting all of the other ship's cannons wet. Yeah. While they're like also trying to kill everyone, <laughs> so that they so that they can't sh- so that they sink can't the sink one, yeah. the other one while they're right up next to it. Stuff like that was pretty cool. I also just like the part where I never really thought about like you know you have to rebuild the ship at sea or whatever when you have no wood around. That's yeah. pretty uh-huh. cool. I. I thought, or the part where they said like we 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 can't just get back to Brazil and cut a tree down real quick. We like, don't have really, time. We'll lose him. That yeah. was such a fun throwaway to me. Yeah, it was like oh, I guess that is what they did back then. They yeah, just, like, go cut a giant tree and then they have a new mast. I think about very Mad Max. <laughs> I think about the Cape Horn scene a lot too, when they have to make the decision to cut the mast away. Mm. That but you you pointed this out while we were watching too. You were like because the. Because the entire crew underneath it, when they think the ship's going to capsize, and then the ship rights itself, they're cheering. And then on the deck, oh my the gosh. carpenter's mate's crying. As you they know? watch the guy drift yeah. away. It's brutal. That part lost me a little bit, because I feel like they could still have something small out to catch him. But well, they were throwing they were throwing small stuff out to catch the fa- him. The problem is he didn't start swimming soon enough. Well, he did start swimming. The problem was no matter how hard he had swum, yeah, like they were it was it was around Cape Horn in the middle of a storm. They yeah. were fifty foot waves. There was no way, you know. It's it his fate was sealed as soon as and he. They fell. have his friend help chop the because he's the away. one who's there. Yeah. Oh, it's just how it is. It's and like you can see the look that Russell Crowe gives him when he hands him the hatchet, like. I'm sorry, but we have to. You That's know? one that definitely didn't hit the same way when I was younger. Like, I didn't really quite comprehend, I don't think. Yeah. It's... Like, I talk about how, like, on our first view, it's like we're Steven, in a way. But we've watched this so many times. Yeah, I think I'm Russell Crowe now. Yeah! You feel like Jack, because you're watching and you're like... You start to understand all like these things. I was things. Jack the first time. <laughs> I was so annoyed with Paul Bettany's character. Oh, no! What? No. I liked him, but I was annoyed with him the same way. He, he was like, uh, you know, let me go. Let me I am see. opposed to authority of all kinds. Yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> That's pretty good. Stupid He's, anarchist. Whatever. Let, let him be <laughs> the Irish anarchist that he is. I love him. I, I am him. Look, he is on the ship. The ship yes. has a job. Yeah. Yes. It's not to go find iguanas. Well. <gasps> oh my god. He could have beat Darwin. What are you talking about? But he had Darwin's book. It wasn't no, Darwin's didn't. book. It was oh, just... it looks so like So there's it. that guy in the 1600s that made the microscope. What's his name? Mendeleev? Oh, uh, no. It might no. be Mendeleev. But his book was in French, right? That, um. I don't know. Paul Benny is reading? Maybe it was Latin. I don't. I, thought, I, still wrote I thought he Latin. actually had. A Darwin sketch, and I just figured that no. was an oversight. No, there. So it, it Darwin's like not Darwin the inventor sketch, of naturalism. He just found no, this I don't island. Think he but no, but, no, but no, that's he, an important point to yeah. make because you know a lot of he, people he, see that too. The, we looked it up while we were watching. He would have beat Darwin by twenty years. No, I knew that, but I yeah. still I thought literally the images they used oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. were like of the. They had one of the what was it? Uh, 
I thought I had seen a couple of those before. The Corbett? Yeah, I thought I had seen that before in a Darwin thing. That's why I was confused. I just figured that if that was what it was, that they just like made a he cut He was all about the, the Finches. Those Finches. That's true. They, they did nod to that. There were like a few Finches in the, in the yes. cages when they had to drop them all. Oh, let's see. Oh, great. Other great things when he does surgery on himself. <gasps> that was pretty good. Oh. I liked him when he did that. I also like really liked how Jack was like, I've seen been around wounds all my life, and he still got squeamish when he watched him cut into himself. You know? That's a different kind of trauma right there. Because you're thinking, oh my god, what if I was cutting into myself, which would be way different than cutting into someone else. Mm-hmm. And he's also like, oh, I'm seeing my friend's ribs right now. It's also just like, I don't, it's another one of those things where you just don't think about it. Where like, they like, he does the surgery and then they go like, make sure it compares to the shirt correctly. Yeah. That, like, it, I, I thought this movie did a good job with like, little small detail stuff mm-hmm. like that. They, they did a lot of showing rather than telling just to demonstrate yeah. what was happening. And it's very good. Like, a very visual film. Ugh. Which is good because a lot of the dialogue is like, shouted, you know? Yeah. And like, in the middle of cannons or in the middle of like, it's... It works very well. At least well. the dialogue's mixed fine. Imagine if, like... Nolan had made yeah, this movie. Yeah, I was gonna say, imagine <laughs> if this oh, was a gosh. Nolan movie. God, I... We, we all saw Tenet together. Did anyone understand what they were saying during the sailing scene? No, mm-hmm. not really. No, nothing at all, right? There were a few scenes I have no idea what they said to this day. <laughs> I eventually, I'll rewatch it and find out. Yeah, I have it on Blu-ray. We should just rewatch it sometime. Actually, you saying it on Blu-ray thing made me think of like the problem I still have with this movie and other movies of this era is that like they still look so very like a TV movie. It's very strange. And we talked about it a little bit when we watched it. It's like a lot, a lot, especially because you have an old DVD of it. It's like it's not an HD. It's not. So you really felt the grain from the transfer. Yeah. Yeah. And it it just feels like I'm watching it on TV, which for some reason it has that effect where it it doesn't. And I'm not saying it about this movie. It just, it kind of has that flair more. Because it was, because it was never, because you know, when they shoot, they're never thinking about formatting for home viewing. Yeah. They're thinking about formatting for the big screen. It it just, it, it makes it feel like not a thing people went and saw in theaters almost, which is funny. I, this is a movie I wish would get a theatrical re-release. Like, yeah, that would be... I would love to see that on like, the There are screen. a lot of movies that I know were like big in the theaters that I think of now and I can't imagine them in a theater. You know, like... Well, like The Two Towers? No, I was no. going to say... To be fair, I saw Return of the King in the theaters, but I didn't see Two Towers. No, I could see that. I, I was going to say like... Um, like some things that are considered classics I have that problem with. Like uh, Goodwill Hunting. It doesn't look like a theater movie. It just looks like a movie that's on TV sometimes. When Harry Met Sally. I feel like uh, I could... Gilbert Grape looks like a movie that's just like on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's very weird. It's like a very specific... It's like 2000 to 2007. Mm. It, or 2006, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And there's like this weird time period where that happened. But like things that are older than that look like a theater movie again. Mm. Like if, if you went back and watched like Gone with the Wind, it looks like a theater movie. It's kind of a trash movie, but it looks like a theater movie. Yeah, I've still never seen it. I don't really plan on it. I had to watch it when I was in school, actually. They blocked our class from watching. Like, some parent got really mad that they were going to, like, have us watch it. Yeah. I didn't understand at the time. I was like, it's just an old movie. We watched it in class and it took a week. (laughs) Yeah, it's so long. It's also that. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. There's that weird time period where, like, I don't know what it was exactly. It just... it feels weird to watch at home like it doesn't quite feel like a movie it's interesting i think it's just the scaling factor of it 
Yeah. Or, or like, like I probably would feel different if it was like on in HD or on Blu-ray or something. It's just a very interesting thing. I don't know if this movie is on. I'm sure it must be somewhere. I'm sure. But it's. I would love to get like a higher quality copy and where it's like got a better transfer, maybe just to see what it looks like. But yeah, I don't know. You know that make, makes a lot of sense. Like to the point where like they have a lot of night stuff. So like enhancing the picture would really really interesting like how you could see on like a big screen mm-hmm. like all the contrast better because mm-hmm. i feel like there's stuff you might be missing because the similar thing happens with like the pirates movies like that's a lot of it's like in dark especially in the intros yeah are there more than one parts of the caribbean movie no it's all one long movie okay good for I'm seven hours yeah. one. <laughs> so- <laughs> i could not tell you what happens in any of the first three i just know what happens in all of them <laughs> <laughs> but i could not tell you what Plot point was in either of them. I can tell you exactly where the third one starts in it. No, I can I can actually tell you all of them. I I because I, I watched them all so many times because nope. I love that. It's a great trilogy. Until last week, I thought Davy Jones was in the first one. Christ, He's in the second Chris. one, right? Second and third. Oh, see, I, now I was thinking he was only in the third. So like, oh, whatever, I'm lost. I, Jesus they're all one Christ. movie at the end. <laughs> Barbosa is also technically in all three, but he's only in the second one for a like. I mean, it's not like they're a like, shot. It's not like they're that good anyway. Like, uh, okay, okay, oh, okay, okay. Why are you? Going? Why do you think you're better than me? <laughs> you think you're better than me? <laughs> I think the ride at Disney is better than the movies. I think it's a wonderful ride. I think full of spirit. It, the first one, if it's what I think it is, is fine. The second one's fine. The third one's where I think it really starts to lose the plot. I okay, okay. We don't. We're not okay. here to talk about. I think, yeah. Pirates yeah. I think that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, redefined what a blockbuster could be. This is my fault. <laughs> and I think that we need to give them a little more credit. Maybe. I think there's a lo- a lot of good in those movies. So Master and Commander. We've talked a lot about Master yeah, and Commander. Why, why'd they give it that name? Because that was the name of the first novel in the series. Oh, is that true? Okay. Yeah. So. Okay, so it's actually a rank thing in the British Navy. So, as the captain, he is both the master of the ship and the commander of... Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah. I did wonder that for a lot of it. I was trying to figure out what, huh. where the master part came in. Yeah. Master. And then we the know. far side of the world, which is the subtitle, is the novel that they based it on. Yeah, it's the other side of the, the yeah. world. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they did literally go to the other side of the world. They went around the you Americas. Know, all the this traveling is making me really peckish. Do you want to go to the concession stand? I think we can do that. Welcome to the world of Pokemakers. We're Professors Fierce and Fierce, but you can call us Alex and JD. And we're making an all-new Pokemon game. But not, like, coding it, just in podcast form. What does that mean? Well, we're going to have discussions planning out our own region. Characters such as gym leaders, professors, and our own evil team. And of course, all-new Pokemon. Check us out at Pokemakers on Twitter, on the Pocket Podcast Network, or wherever you find podcasts. Gotta Gotta make them all! I like the music in this movie. You do? I do, but not... What's your favorite one? Okay, when they're going around the horn. Not just the diegetic stuff. I think the score, which is pretty sparse, frankly. Like, they don't score everything in this movie, which I think Mm -hmm. makes it more effective. But there's one where they're like... When they're, like, right on the Asheron, and they're, like, right behind the horn, that's like, got some really sweeping strings and, like, winds that's, like, just, like, a very driving, like, with the waves. But then it immediately cuts, but but then they, they cut out the music when the, he climbs the mast, 
and then it cuts down to these really mournful strings. You bring a good oh. point. They really like having just like the ambient sounds. Like if you're gonna be on a ship, yeah. Like you hear like the sails rustling and the wind howling. And... I did wonder how they filmed it on a boat because of that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess yes. I'm just saying like. Oh, there, there, there had to be like a decent amount of green screen at, in, at some points. I was wondering involved, like how right? much is it is like? Did they really have a ship? I was wondering about that. I, I. I so. I feel like I looked it up a while ago, but I, I haven't looked it up. I, I don't remember. Let's... I just always wonder about that. Like, how do they do the parts where they start destroying the ship? Hmm. Because, like, I don't know. It's 2003. There's not a huge amount of CGI like that still. And yet, some of the CGI back then looks better than CGI now. Well, because it was integrated better. Well, composite, or or because it was because it was hit. They they compensated for how bad it was exactly by like for example, Jurassic Park is always dark when they have to use a lot of CGI. Or like two towers, or like like the Lord of the Rings movies. Very yeah. Down. Okay. Yes. So, so this ship Which was made in Canada. It was a replica of an 18th century British admiral ship, and then uh, 20th century Fox bought it in 2001. And they made a bunch of modifications to it so they could use it to film. So, so they literally filmed on this replica But it was ship. sailing, right? Um, That's what I'm trying to figure all out. All deck structures were removed. The single ship's wheel were replaced by a double wheel. So they like they like souped it up and like actually took shots on it. Interesting. But it seems to have been mounted on a gimbal. Who? So Skimbal Shanks was there. Skimbal Shanks was there. Yeah. So sometimes they were sailing, sometimes they weren't. Interesting. So some of it was was lot work, some of it was. I mean, I guess it was sailing anytime they did the big shots. Yeah. Of the ship sailing. Probably so. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> I I just want to take a moment to call out probably my favorite shot of the movie, which is really close to the beginning. Actually, it's uh when the Asheron has found them and fired on them from the fog. And they've just slipped into the fog and the Asheron is chasing them and realizes they're not going to catch up and just fires every cannon while tacking. So the ship is tacking. Oh, you see it before it even hits. Oh, like yeah. the big flash. Well, no, no, no. Like I'm just thinking, flash. I'm thinking when the ship is spinning in the water and every cannon is going off in sequence. Oh. That is one of my favorite I thought your, shots. I thought your favorite shot was every time they used the uh, monocular. The okay yes i love all the telescope stuff yeah, telescope the spy spy glass the glass the lead the binocular mr. is also mr Callamy, the lead if you please yeah. like all the mm, i know that one i love that actually the because because you're limited to what they're seeing through there and you're and it's moving with them mm -hmm. and so you really and then yes like you said when you see the flash in the fog of the cannons firing and, and, you, and you see it before you hear anything. Oh, or feel it. Oh, it's, oh. oh, we forgot to talk about the brain surgery. The brain surgery. That that's your favorite so part, right? One of your favorite well, parts. Well, I like when they play the music together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that last song is really my favorite. Oh, the uh, the pizzicato with the, uh, where, where one of them's strumming and the other one's. Yeah, yeah. Do, Boeing. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, good part. I also like, um, uh, the Bach cello, the Bach cello, when they use that, uh, they use it twice. They use it specifically when they think they're going to land at the Galapagos and have to leave. Oh, devastating. And Steven's like all dressed up and ready to go. Just God. makes sense. 
Yeah, and then they you and then they use it when they're walking him back to the when when they take him back See to he, the Galapagos so that they can do surgery. And this is this is what makes me think they're married. This this one particular <laughs> scene, the one that I tweeted about, it's when they've got him on the stretcher stretcher. He's been accidentally shot by the Marine commander who was trying to shoot an albatross, which you never shoot an albatross. You should Bad know that. Look. Yes. He's He's on the stretcher and he realizes that they're on dry land and he looks he looks up at Jack who's walking him back to the tent and says, tell me this wasn't on my account. And he says, I simply needed to stretch my legs. And it's... Uh. <laughs> uh. I was going to say... love each other. When he, when he had all the gear on to go, that's when I started liking him even less. He's like the little kid from Up. He's a total dork. What? The little kid from Up? Yes, he's a dork, but he's a yeah, good Yeah, he just dork. saved like half of the both. lives of the crew. You can be both. Listen, I'm not saying you can't be He's the reason anymore. that old Joe is still alive uh-huh. and yeah. able to show off his knuckle tats I, all the uh-huh. time. I get Hold that. fast. Hold fast. I get it. I'm just saying. I also like the little nod to like... He's speaking, but he does still have brain trauma when his first line after the surgery is, the Lord taketh and the Lord giveth away. Yeah. That, ugh. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good movie. What's your favorite part, Chris? My favorite part of the movie. Like, favorite shot or favorite part? Both. Either. I like the... I don't know. I think my favorite part was either some something from the very end of it. Like when they're boarding, or it's like the part where they do the the nighttime masked off thing, and then they turn the lights off and stuff. I like that part. Oh yeah. I also was just saying, like, dude, they're gonna kill this kid. <laughs> <laughs> the cannonball splashing like feet away from him. I also like. I respect. I did comment on while we were watching it. I respect any movie that at one point it's like, all right, now we're gonna kill off like twelve characters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always respect It's like, did that. they just kill off half the cast? I think it was. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I feel like half the cast I just watched die. Yeah, the sailing master, a bunch of the crewmates. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, it, very good. I think I think a great portrayal of, I mean, I wasn't there, <laughs> obviously. None of us were there. <laughs> but this felt, this felt like if someone were like, okay, now imagine if we actually wanted to look at life on a ship and didn't want to put a bunch of skeleton sailors there you know it there's really not a lot of sailing movies no not really like real sailing movies there's not mm-hmm. a lot there's like this one and that one zach efron did <laughs> we're a part of the pocket podcast <laughs> wait i was gonna say one more thing. we have to rate we have to rate oh yeah what go what for it i just wanted to... i was just gonna say th- i think i also comment this was like the last movie paul bettany did for a while that mattered until yeah this was his last like major role i would say yeah i think this was the last thing he did before he had trouble finding work which i found more interesting after i watched him i was like he was pretty good i mean the thing is he and russell crowe do we didn't even comment on this he and russell crowe like have a history at this point oh yeah at this point yeah tell me more a beautiful mind yeah yeah because he's the hallucination oh that's right yeah and of course he'd done a knight's tale before this one but that's Russell like Crowe is not in that movie. Oh well, he was in Da Vinci Code. He was the vi- the villain in the Da Vinci Code, right? Like the albino monk. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't remember anything about the Da Vinci Code. I didn't watch it. He yeah, was, he does play the Obama. He was in Inkheart. That's like it, though. Really, that really is it. Yeah, God. No work in 2005, no work in 2007. Wow. It's like, it really is one of the last things he did, and then and then it's like, then it was Jarvis. Yeah. And even then, he doesn't do anything really again until Iron Man 2. Like, he really doesn't he, do he, much. A lot of small roles. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, he had basically... I, there's that thing that's been going around since WandaVision came out that was like, he was going to leave Hollywood until he, they offered him Vision. It's like 2012. Ever since 2012, he's not ever had a year he didn't have big work. I mean, to be fair, he's doing like Marvel. So obvious. Yeah, tw- like, 2015 is where it really started back up. I just want to say, I'm really glad he stuck around because I thought he was divine in Solo. Like, I loved him in Solo. Wait, like time solo? out. He played Ted Kaczynski in that Unabomber thing on Netflix? He did? What? I don't know. I How did I miss? I watched that whole thing. <laughs> anyway, whatever. I'm going to go back and rewatch it because that blows my mind. Out. I'm going to rewatch Solo because I want to see him in that. What, who is he in Solo? He's, he's the gangster. He's Dryden, Dryden Voss. Yeah, yeah he's what? he's Kira's boss. He's the guy who the guy who they're doing, which is why that climactic scene where they're, that climactic like three-way fight is so good. Solo is the best Star Wars movie. <laughs> Send tweet. Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie. Send tweet. Last Jedi. Send tweet. Whoa. <laughs> Let's rate this one. All right. How many knuckle tattoos? Well, that's a weird rating system. What's the that max? Is... Eight. That would be the eight. Five. Right? Oh. Okay. Out of five. Sure. Uh, well, oh, you don't per... tattoo your knuckles. I'm gonna say out of eight because you can only read these really well. Wait, no. Will we do it out of five? <laughs> how many? How many? How many cannonballs? How many cannonballs? Okay. Is yeah. it out of five? Out of yeah. five. Oof. Five is such a hard rating system for me. I know. Just do it out of ten and divide by two. And that's actually Oh, no. I could have a whole dissertation about how wrong that is. What do you mean? It's actually entirely wrong. It doesn't wrong. work. It doesn't work at all. If you three do and it... a half out of five is much stronger than a seven out of ten. No, it's the same. No, it's hmm. not the same. It's the same. No, no, it's not. People don't think of it the same. I do. Mathematically, it's the same. 90% of people find those completely different. Okay, I think of it the same. If so you I'm show in the 2%. a person a 7 out of 10 rating and then you show them a 3.5 out of 5, they will always think the 3.5 out of 5 is better. 3.5 is more like 80 something percent in my brain, where like 7.5 is like a 7%. Four, think about this. A 4 is out this... of 5 versus an 8 out of 10, people are always going to say the 4 out of 5 was a better thing. Because there's less space between the 4. Correct. Yeah. This I think this might explain why you, I, I can't give do high, math. This might explain why I give higher ratings than you on it on the whole. Do you do you do it out of ten and then divide it by two? No, but I'm just <laughs> Or think about this, like if you see a two and a half out of five, that feels better than a five out of ten. No, a five mm-hmm. out of ten sounds better than a two and a half. No, out. you're missing more stuff. Because like there's ten okay, you think of out of ten, you only get five of them, but if you get two and a half out of five You see, I've been Writing for this blog where I have to rate stuff out of 10, and I've just been translating what would be my shouldn't do that. Well, that's the, but <laughs> that's the way also I think for a blog where stuff is out of 10. <laughs> that's the way I think of things. Mm, maybe problem. I should but write you can't for think a of blog. things like you. you have to think of things as how the reader interprets out of 10 rankings. Well, you see, I've never thought of it like that before. But that, I'm now your mind is blown. I will say a four out of 10 feels better than a two out of five to me for some reason. It just does. Those don't equal, those yes, are the do. same. A 2 out of 5 is better than a 4 out of 10. No, it's not. But it is on the scale. Okay. On, no, it's <laughs> not. To a person, it is, yes. Okay. <laughs> a 4 out of 10 is the point at which like things feel bad. And a 
And a two out of five, I could still see like, oh, it's like not great. The four four out of ten feels is where middling start. You see, from four to four to like six is like four and five are like middling. Six is starts to be good. Seven is pretty good. Eight is really good. Nine is I really like this. Ten is I, I love agree. This. Ten has better zoning than yes. five. Yes, it does. But because of that, the five scale naturally skews better or worse because it has less zoning to it. All right. Well, so what's your rating? <laughs> uh, do I have to be first? I have to do it out of five? I'm going to have to think about how this is going to go off to the viewers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Should we do it first? I think I'll give it uh, I, You might get mad at me. I don't know. I'll give it like a three and a half out of five. No, that's that, really good. That's I like sense. it. It's not necessarily like a movie I would watch all the time, but I liked it. Like yeah. most of the movies. I think I would rate it higher if I saw it in a theater. We don't really ever break three point like five to three point eight. You you don't, at least. Yeah, no, I don't give out fours for anything. I you've given out See, fours. See, this is the difference. On a five, I give it a three and a half. On a ten point scale, I give it a six and a half. Because those are very those mm-hmm. are the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. It's not, it's not a seven out of ten movie to me, it's a six and a half out of ten. But it is a three and a half out of five. <laughs> you want to give your reading? You go first. You go first. Oh no, you're here right now. Bethany this. understands what I'm saying. I do. Uh, All right, I'm ready. It has to do with that whole thing. You know, 538 did a whole thing. People are bad at fractions. Okay. Think about that. Okay, fair. The thing is, I'm good at language and good at fractions, so okay. I so I'm being Weird. a conscriptivist, unfortunately, cool. even though I am a postmodernist, so I shouldn't be a yeah, Tell us more so... about how good you are at stuff. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bethany, go ahead. So my rating, I think I'm gonna give it a three point nine. That is lower than I expected. Because I can't give it a four because I have strong nostalgia attachments to it. Whoa, you totally, you can ignore that. I can? I think you can. It, a movie isn't bad because you have nostalgia for it. That's another Yeah, but I have good. really, like, I don't know. I feel like mine's just really strong. You feel like you're, you're like, accounting for your handicap. I guess. Yeah, I have I a strong you. handicap on this. Cool. Because I was like, movie with, like, classical Baroque music? Yes, please. They don't really exist. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, 4.25. What? Wow. Man. Yeah. See, and that's stronger than eight and a half. <laughs> We're a part of the Pocket Podcast Network. Other shows include Them's the Facts. That's the one I'm on where I make it my full-time job to make John feel like this. <laughs> Sorted. <laughs> Pokemakers. Cult classics. You can find them all on PocketPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is by... The Lurgan Machines. From their first EP, Parallels. This track is called Oil Waves. You can find it everywhere. It is. It's everywhere. Is Except it on... it's not in an FT. Oh, good. Is it on Deezer? It is on Deezer. Because that's <laughs> I get money from them every oh once in a while. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. Don't buy any more DVDs. Nobody looks at it that way but you We all saw him drowning But you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying I never saw the Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket